What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of? with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I am in the house today with a gentleman that I found through a course I'm taking at the Wharton School of Business called How to Build a Unicorn. And his book or his an article that he may have written or a blog post that he wrote was used in the course as a reference and it intrigued me. So I reached out to him and I'm going to encourage you to today to do that. When you see someone that you connect with basically on what you're, you know, whatever you're into at the time or, you know, something you believe in or you want to just find out more about someone, reach out to them and, you know, connect with them because I'm telling you some of the ma- most amazing things have happened in my life when I've done that. So without further ado, James Church is the author of the Amazon bestselling book, Investable Entrepreneur, How to Convince Investors Your Business is the One to Back, and co-founder of Robot Mascot, the UK's leading pitch agency. He's on a mission to stop great ideas failing due to poor communication and is frustrated to see so many founders struggle to raise the capital they need because they're unable to convince investors their business is the one to back. He speaks internationally at online and offline business events, conferences, and accelerators, and has been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine and Forbes. Also, How to Build a Unicorn Course by the Wharton School of Business. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So thrilled to be here. And, and what an incredible way for you to find me as well through that, through that course. That's fantastic to know that I've, uh, I've broken America, which is good to know. Yeah. I mean, I think that is, uh, it is cool, man. And I, I've seen that with this podcast going global. And, and when you have that access, and I love to see other people go through that as well. It's just amazing. But look, we have this, the tradition of starting the show with this question right here. What are you made of, James? Um, so I think I'm made of belief. Uh, I'm made of the belief that as an entrepreneur, you can use the power of in- innovation to really not just change your own life, but the life of others through, through solving the world's most meaningful problems. So, so yeah, belief for me, seeing what these entrepreneurs can do and, and, the, and the things they can change is, is what gets me up in, and gets me going in the mornings. Yeah. You know, I love that. I mean, you're only going to go as far as you believe, right? Absolutely. So, All about yeah. belief. Yeah. Do you believe, do you believe that it starts with belief and then and making sure that belief is high enough and then stepping into that belief and then just doing everything that your thoughts, words, and actions go towards that belief. Is that how you work it? Or yeah, what is I think the there's probably two types of entrepreneur, isn't there? There's ones that, also, that will just back themselves and they believe themselves and they, they're relentless and they know they will succeed. And then there's those that, that need to be reassured and given the opportunity to believe in themselves and, and uh yeah, we, we work with, with both types and we see both types. And uh, it's, it's almost more rewarding allowing entrepreneurs that, that have got a great idea, but are, are maybe questioning themselves and being able to give them the belief that they can, they can actually do this and they can go and raise investment and they can change the world is possibly more rewarding for me personally. Yeah, I think everyone has it in them. Um, yeah, having belief to back yourself to succeed is the first step, I think. And what type are you? I'm, I'm that relentless kind of will never give up dog with a bone 
kind of, you know, if you get knocked down, get back up again and, and you will succeed. So yeah, I'm questioning belief in myself. Um, I'm that type and I want to bring that power to, I enjoy working with those who don't have the belief in themselves and give them that belief and seeing that transformation. So. Awesome, man. You know, I've gotten several businesses and like I've mentioned before, I'm in two tech startups right now and also a project that's launching, building, scaling, and selling 10,000 tech companies. So in the next 10 years. So what I've had, I came up with this analogy the other day, and I just want to hear your thoughts on this, but there's like a Super Bowl. You know what a Super Bowl is, right? The ones that are really bouncy, super bouncy balls the kids play with. Well, being an entrepreneur is kind of like, and actually life is kind of like this. It's a Super Bowl. You go down and you hit the ground. And once you hit the ground, that's like going into a target or goal that you're trying to achieve or, or mission. You hit the ground, you fail, or you don't get the expected outcome because failure is basically you're not getting what you think you should get, right? You hit the ground, you gather a bunch of data, and then you bounce back up with that data. Now you have more data, but you've kind of failed. Then you come back down and bang into the ground again. You gather more data, and now you add that to the data and it compounds, and then you bounce back up because you didn't get the expectation again. And you just do that over and over again. And those yeah. are the successful business founders, CEOs, yeah. sex- successful people in life. Now, there's most people though, are like medicine balls. <laughs> when they go and they get the ground, they just stick there and they hit there and that's it. Right. So, so do you, do you see that analogy working in what you've been yeah. you know, experiencing? Absolutely. Failure. Um, it's really interesting. I, I, was, I think I was writing an article or I was talking to someone about this the other day, the attitude to, to failure between the States and, and the UK, especially with what, what we see with, with helping founders raise investment. And I think in the States, failure is how you describe, like it's a badge of honor. It's like, I've learned from this. I'm not going to make that mistake again. And now we've got more data. We can move on and we're going to succeed. And actually, you look at the unicorn founders and most of them have some kind of failed business in their, in their past before they succeed. Whereas the UK, we're, we're much more reserved. We're, we're failures, a negative, a very negative thing. And no one likes to talk about their failures and they, they shy away from them. And they're scared to make those mistakes and make those failures, which which kind of goes back to that belief thing I was talking about, you know, not having the belief because you don't want to be the person that failed and trying to switch that mindset to, to founders in, in the UK versus founders in America. It's, it's, a, it's a really interesting uh, dynamic between, between that perception of failure. But yeah, I yeah. 100% believe you have to fail to succeed and it's, it's what you learn. That's the important thing, right? It's what you learn from it and what you implement as a result of it that leads to success. Now, are you trying to be an innovator with, in, with regards to talking more about failure in the UK and encouraging that so that other people can learn? Um, you know, Because one thing about this show, what are you made of? This show is designed to expose people's journey to success because most of the, the journey is invisible. And when people go out to try to do something, if you're in the UK and, and failure is not talked about, when folks go out to do something and they fail at it the first time, a lot of them will give up because of the fact that they think that James didn't go through that. C-Rock didn't go through yeah. that. Right. So, are you trying to take on that that responsibility? Yeah, I, it's, to be honest, it's not a particular angle that I've that I've spoken about too too much. But I'm I'm kind of thinking now I probably should. I agree. <laughs> I agree. A new angle, a new new stream of content I can start producing. So yeah, yeah, thanks. yeah. Put that on the content wheel, man. Put that yeah. on the content wheel. So so where did your where did your stubbornness, I'll call it, or relentlessness, or inexorability, where did, where did that come from? I don't I don't know. I've just always. I've always back to myself. I've always been. I remember being at school, and there was at the end of at the end of school, they did kind of like awards for for for, for the kids at the end of voted by the kids for the kids at the end of our kind of final year, and one of them was like who was going to be most successful. And 
I wasn't even nominated. And I was like so pissed off about it. Really? And I was just because I was just like so determined that I was going to make a big success of something. I always wanted to have a business. I always wanted to to be successful in business. And uh, I was really annoyed that, that none of my peers had recognized that for some reason. And I don't know why I'd never really told anyone about it, but it really annoyed me. And that, I think that gave me that really gave me that drive. And I, I can only think that I, I got that from my father, I think, because he's he dropped out of school at, at kind of 15, 16 and started as he, he as like a mail boy in the delivery service and worked his, his way up to kind of a very senior management level. Ended up with an MBE here in the UK, which is an award from the Queen, which is a really big honour to have. There's only a few handful of people in the world. So he's worked his way up from kind of dropping out of school at 16 as a delivery boy and working his way up into this kind of senior position, getting awards from the Queen. And I think so. I think he's probably got is responsible for, for that belief because he, he's backed himself throughout his life. So I think I must have picked up on it. And that's, yeah, made me who I am, I think. Awesome. Awesome. So then take us back to being a kid. Like, you know, where did it all start for you? Did you go to college, university? Did you like take us back? However far back you want to go, just kind of paint the picture of the the ingredients that have gone into making James who you are today. Yeah. So started at university, studied graphic design, was really into sort of design and and how that influenced people. And again, on that course, I, I I had so much ambition. I wanted to, I wanted to create, you know, this branding agency. I wanted to kind of design, design stuff and be, be known for being a really good designer. And I was getting really frustrated that I was only ever getting two ones um, and not firsts, uh, which is how we, I don't know if that's how you grade things over in America, but we have like first is the best degree you can get. And it's two, one, two, two, third. I was getting two ones. I really wanted to push for a third. I went to my tutor and said, what do I need to do with my work to get it to that next level? And he said, don't worry about it because out of everyone in this year, you've got the most commercial portfolio. I can guarantee you'll be the first person to get a job. You won't get the highest grade, but you'll be the first person to get a job because you'll be sought after in the industry because you take design and you make it commercial. It's you, your portfolio is essentially an, an agency's portfolio. It's not just kind of pretty design stuff. You really think about why you're designing something and who it's for and making it functional. So uh, he was right. We, I got my first job at an agency before we'd even finished. Our last year, I already had a contract. And as soon as I finished, I started that job. And that kind of gave me, you know, that validation I needed. You know, I was good enough to do this. Um, Met my business partner, my now business partner at that job. I was really struggling to, to transition from kind of a university where you had all the time in the world to work on your projects to kind of a commercial environment where there was timelines and deadlines and time is money. And it just wasn't kind of what I thought working at a creative agency was like. It was quite stale. The, the boss wasn't particularly a particularly great boss. He kind of ruled with an iron fist and he kind of made you feel shit about everything which and stifled creativity. And my now business partner came in as a, as a creative director, as a freelancer. And I was kind of like, this is what I thought working at a creative agency is like. You know, this, this guy is what I thought it would be like. And he, he's sort of 10 years older than me. So I was kind of looking up to him and I, I kind of made it my mission to, to become his friend um, and just kind of shadowed him around. He thought I was this annoying kind of kid out of uni to begin with and was just like, come on, just give me some space, leave me alone. And <laughs> I was like, no, be my friend, be my friend. And then kind of learned as much as I could from him. He really took me under his wing after I wore him down, I think, and took me under his wing and, and really started to, to kind of teach me kind of how we create things uh, and execute on things in, in the real world. And yeah, we ended up doing some projects out of work together. We started our first business together about a year after that. 
which completely failed within within kind of nine months. We had absolutely no idea how to run a business. We knew we could create great work together, but no idea how to get leads and, and get customers and manage customers and all of that kind of stuff. So we really struggled and we learned a lot along the way. Went our separate ways for a bit. I got some uh, some jobs at various kind of companies and agencies as a designer. And then I had another another guy take me under his wing. He was a senior marketing manager. And he his job was to come in as a change around coach for about six months, turn this business around that was failing and replace himself with a marketing manager. And I was there as the designer. And he basically turned around to the board and said, you know what you need to do? You need to hire James in that marketing role and you need to put him on a, on a course to get a second degree, but this one in marketing because he's capable. He's, he's been learning from me over the last six months. He knows this business really well. He's got great ideas. He can really push this forward. And that's what they did. They took, it, they, they took him at his word and uh, yeah, put me on this program, promoted me to marketing manager, and I ended up in, in marketing, which is not something I ever thought I'd. And that really gave me the experience I needed to go and, and understand how to gain customers, make sales and do that kind of thing. And, and yeah, met back up with my original mentor and our business partner. And we started our second business, which was Robot Mascot. And, and yeah, here we are today with this uh, niche agency, helping people communicate their brand to investors to, to raise investments. So yeah, quite a journey, but lots of role models, lots of mistakes, lots of, lots of yeah, failing and succeeding along the way. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecroc.com forward slash book. That's mikecroc.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Now yeah, so first of all, I would like to ask you a question about Robot Mascot in a minute, but before I do that, when you have a setback or something that doesn't go the way you expect it to, like when that ball goes into the ground and bounces, do you have a process that you go through that that's repeatable or do you just handle it every differently every time? I think my process is always to, to depends the, the situation, but let, let's say it's something goes wrong in the business because of either a team member or a client, something's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to never blame the, the client or the team member or the the people involved in the in the issue, but to actually look at look at myself and kind of go there. There's a problem with the way that I instructed that, or the way that our processes are set up, or there's uh, there's a problem with our systems, or there's a something I call an asset deficiency. There should be something that that would leverage that the team can leverage that that would have stopped that mistake happening, and and just kind of looking more kind of operationally at it and kind of going. No one's ever to blame. We don't we don't kind of pass blame, but we look at kind of what happened and how can we mitigate that. How can we stop that happening again by putting yeah. in a changing a system, putting in a process, building an asset to stop that thing happening again? And that's how the business has been built over the last last eight years is just kind of find a problem, review kind of where that problem came from, what was the root cause, and then create something that will fix it. One of my one of my uh, core values is 100% take 100% responsibility. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you take fault or you blame anyone or blame yourself or anything. It's responsibility, mm-hmm. right? Response. And then the second word, ability, <laughs> ability mm-hmm. to respond, right? And so I love that you said that. That's a crucial role in a business and entrepreneurship and success. Mm-hmm. Crucial, crucial. A matter of fact, I don't think you can have success to a degree that you need to without that. So I, I love that answer. And uh, so tell us, what is exactly Robot Mascot? What is the exact value proposition that that business offers? Yeah. So basically, we, we create investment materials that convince investors. So we help entrepreneurs who have incredible ideas 
but struggle to kind of articulate them to an investor. They maybe don't understand exactly what it is investors are looking for. Help them articulate and shape their business case in a way that an investor will understand it. They'll want to engage with it and they'll want to ultimately end up backing it and putting money behind it. So principally, we're producing kind of business plans, financial projections, pitch materials and valuation reports for our clients. But it's all through the lens. The thing that sets us apart is that it's all through the lens of communication. So even a financial spreadsheet is a, we see as a marketing tool for selling something. And, and in this case, you're selling your shares to an investor. And these, these are essentially mark, key marketing materials for you to close possibly the biggest deal you've ever done, which is a million dollars investment in your business or whatever it is. It's probably the biggest deal you've ever done. And you need to be treating these funding assets as kind of marketing materials to communicate your message, communicate that you as a founder as someone they can trust, someone that they can believe in, buy into, and and trust with their money. Um, so that that's yeah. the whole purpose, really. Uh, I love that take on it. You're taking the the boring old numbers and you're turning them into marketing something to get attention, right? And so you're kind of like you know we talk about promotion a lot. Promotion is one of the most important things. Promote, 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 promote. I can't say it enough. But you're not just promoting your business and what your value proposition is, but everything in your business, including yourself, your core values, your mission your financials, <laughs> you're promoting everything. I love that, man. That's like a great way to look at that. I, I, like, I'm really want to hammer that with my team about like even the boring stuff. Let's promote the boring stuff too. Let's make it sexy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you, yeah. You've got more stakeholders than just your clients. So, so shareholders, whether you know, shareholders, directors, whoever's associated with your business, if you treat every bit of communication to them as a piece of promotion, they're going to buy into your vision more. They're then going to support you more. They're then going to refer you to more people or whatever it is the relationship you have with that person. Yeah, it's all about communication. Yeah, I love that. So, in regards to your book, Investable Entrepreneur, you know, you mm. want to give us like maybe that that's got to be one of them in there. You got to be talking about that, right? In the book, making everything sexy, making everything yeah, promotion. Yeah, I mean, writing the book was an incredible, incredible process, just kind of having all this knowledge that we'd built up over the years about how to convince investors. And I was getting asked the same questions again and again and again by founders. And I thought, you know what, I need to put all this down into, into a book. I need, to, I need to get this out there. I need to, you know, I can't support, I want to support as many founders as possible. I had a sort of a personal target of helping sort of 100,000 founders raise investment. Well, I can't do that on my own on a one-to-one basis, but I can if I distribute content. So it started with blog posts and, and then it ended up going, actually I can put put this into a book and, and really support people. And it's it's been an incredible journey to to and a really, really incredible process to to kind of get your thinking, everything out of your head and, and put it into a book form. It's quite a liberating process. Yeah. Now as we wind down here, two more questions. What are a couple of tips in there besides the one we just talked about in your book that entrepreneurs should be thinking about, whether they're tech entrepreneurs or normal business oper- entrepreneurs are looking for capital? Like what are a couple like couple other things that they would find in the book? Um, so the first is really understanding the mind of, of an investor. So, so they're, they're looking for three things, really. The first is that they're looking for someone who's highly resourceful, can get people to buy into their vision. So you need to be really good at kind of communicating, getting people excited by your vision. They're also looking for someone who, who understands the financial risks, doesn't just focus on the financial rewards, but kind of can mitigate, understand how to mitigate risks and protect the investment. And then, and then finally, they're looking for someone who wants commercial, creates commercial success. They know how to get from where they are now to a highly exitable, highly valuable business. And they have a strategic plan, both in the short and the long term to actually get there. So if you can, if you can 
crack those three things, if you can impress upon an investor that you, you have what it takes to achieve all those three things, then you're a much higher chance of securing investment than if you just talk about how great your idea is. Yeah. So number one, what you just talked about was being able to sell, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what that one comes down to. Yeah. Right? Be, being able yeah, to sell. Find your vision. So get people to, to believe in you. Yeah. 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 Sales, sales is such an important part of any role, even if you're not in like a salesperson. You have to be able to get people to, to get on board with you. Like that's like, you know, and, and all throughout our lives. I mean, we have to be able to sell our spouses on things. We have to be able to sell our friends. I had to be able to sell you to come on here. It was easy because you just said yes when I asked you, but mm-hmm. I had to be able to, I had to be able to get, you know, guests to come on the show. And how does that happen? Well, I have to, you know, I'm sure, and I could be wrong, but most people that I ask will check me out on different social media platforms. Maybe they'll look up the show. Maybe, Hey, maybe see what other guests, how many episodes he has. Some might just say yes without doing that. I don't know, but I have to be able to provide an, uh, portfolio, so, so, so to speak, of content and individual brand out there for people to be able to sell to come on the show. So yeah, I, I, so, I yeah, love so that. I say yeah. An entrepreneur's greatest ability is their, is their ability to pitch. And there's a business partner of mine called Daniel Priestley. He's, he's a best-selling author of four business books. And, and something he always says, which I really latched onto and kind of really was a watershed moment for me was like, you get what you pitch for, you're always pitching. And in entrepreneurship, every conversation you have, every, every email you send, everything, you pitch stuff into existence and you, everything you do is a pitch for something, whether that's yeah. or partners or whatever it may be, getting someone to come onto your podcast or, you know, everything you do is a pitch. And yeah, uh, 100%, you approach man. entrepreneurship in that way, you, you, you'll succeed, I think. So James, let's, let's conclude here with this. What's the vision for the future for you? I know you mentioned something about 100,000 entrepreneurs and helping them become investable entrepreneurs. And I love that. I love, I love moonshots. That might even be too small of a, too, too small of a number, really, truthfully, because yeah. you, you are powerful, man. But what's the vision for the future for you? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it is, that is to help as, as, as many founders as possible to, to, to raise investment. What we really want is to be able to kind of sit back in Know, five, 10 years time, whenever it is, we feel like we're, we're done with this and, and kind of look back and kind of say we're there and kind of have this list of these incredible businesses that we were there to, and we supported them with their pre-seed seed or their series A round. And we were there at the very beginning and they've gone off and become these massive successes. Seeing our founders kind of exit, exit their businesses for life-changing sums and kind of think, yeah, we, we were there. We were there at the start and gave them that belief, that, that kickstart that they needed to, to get things going. So that to have as many success stories like that, there's no physical number, but as many success stories like that as possible would would be phenomenal. Yeah, that's I love cool. that, man. I love it, and I'm on that journey myself. So you saw me like light up when you said that life changing exits. I want to see that too for tons of people. And you and you work with tech companies too, not just regular companies. Yeah, yeah. So probably about eighty percent of our businesses are tech companies, and and the rest are kind of more SMEs looking for looking for finance. So. Awesome. And have you worked in the US at all? Yeah, we've had clients in the US. In fact, we've got someone from Texas just signed up to our Pitch Ready Sprint, our cohort in May for one of our services. So yeah, we've got clients all over the world, Australia, Texas, Asia, all over. Well, let's see how you can get involved with the Project 10K. I'm going to talk to you more after the show about that, James, but I want to thank you for coming on today, man. Thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right, guys, you've been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all of your support. If you want to watch these, they're on the YouTube channel, Mike C. Rock Scirocco. You can also go subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. Please do so. Share with your friends and family about the value that you get here and continue supporting us because I will never, ever, ever let you down. 
Go check out Blueprinted, the new platform of step-by-step processes from experts that know how to do things in all different categories. You can buy their blueprints. All you got to do is follow their steps a little bit each day, have quick wins on your way to a large win at Blueprinted, B-L-O-O, printed.com. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's Mike. CROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.